I was usually towards the back of the pack, but I always liked this idea of being a runner. That's marathon runner and run commuter Jessie Blondin and her stories coming up next. Welcome to Happily Ever Active, where we crack the consistency code with fitness tips on motivation, mindset, and much, much more. Now, here's your host, author of Feel Like It, and the guy with the silent O, Kelly Dell. Hey guys, my name is Kelly. Welcome again to this episode of Happily Ever Active. I hope you've enjoyed physical activity over the last week. Maybe you've even pushed some boundaries and tried something new. I sort of hope this podcast might be giving you the itch to broaden your horizons in this way, even just a little bit. Someone the other day actually asked me what's on my radar to try something new. They turned the tables on me a bit because I ask this question a lot. And it's not to brag or anything, but I've tried a lot of stuff over the years, partly for research purposes, but partly I get pretty bored with um, doing one thing over and over and over again. So that question is getting harder and harder to answer. I guess the things that are getting higher on my list are the things that I can do with my daughter, who is about to turn four. So doing um, a fun run, you know, these 1K kids runs with her, um, getting her out on um, a bike ride once she's able to get her uh, training wheels, those stabilizers off of her bike. Doing things like that are sort of high on my list. But I've also had my eye on an event that I can do with my dogs. And there's this fundraising event coming up in June in the Ottawa area called Jump, Duck, and Run. And this is really running an obstacle course with your dog. Well, I'm really looking forward to sharing this week's episode with you. I know there's a lot of people who look at runners and think, how much can anyone actually enjoy running? Especially people at the start of the process. Well, I met someone who fell in love with running so much that she's literally built her life around it. And it's quite a life, one that takes a lot of balancing between work, her family, and all of her running ambitions. I've mentioned in earlier episodes about how much there is to learn from exercise histories, from people's pasts, whether that's your own or from others. So let's talk about Jessie Bondin, a run commuter in Canada's capital here, Ottawa. She's my guest today. She was my interview. And after following Jessie on social media for some time, She posted a couple of things that made me think, she's got something valuable we can learn from. I just had this inkling. And on a whim, I reached out to her and asked Jessie if she'd discuss her running journey with me. And I've never met Jessie in person, so I was expecting a no thank you. But of course, after now having interviewed her, it's no surprise that she said, absolutely, let's talk about it. And her journey has included qualifying for the Boston Marathon multiple times. And so when we look at someone who has qualified for Boston three times, for example, we think, wow, that's impressive. And it certainly is impressive. Perhaps more fascinating, at least to me, is how did she get there? Did she just decide to go and run Boston one day, wake up and set that goal and and chase it? Well, as you'll learn from our conversation, it doesn't really work that way, at least not for most people. So from the outside looking in, Jesse's an extremely accomplished runner, faster than I could ever dream to be. Not even, it's not even a contest. But the one thing I've learned from interviewing loyally active people is that there's always an evolution. It's a part of the story that we don't necessarily hear about. Although Jesse has been a run commuter for 13 years, yes, that means to work and back, four days a week usually, in all seasons, Canadian seasons no less, 
her lifestyle didn't just emerge overnight. The thing is, when we see someone loyally committed to regular physical activity, we don't get the whole story behind it, like I said. So how did this attraction and commitment to running bloom? That's really the question. What are some of the key moments that strengthened her relationship with running? I was eager to learn about Jessie's story and some of her perspectives on its ups and downs, especially in the early stages. And I even asked her at the end of the interview what she would tell someone who might be at the start of their fitness journey where she used to be 13, 14 years ago or so. Let's learn a little about her and maybe along the way, let's pull some tips out from this person who is clearly living a happily active life. And I started by asking her about her current fitness routine. So right now I am training for the Boston Marathon as well as around the Bay 30K race. And in order to do this training, I use a combination of running to and from work and then long runs with one of my best friends on the weekend. So when I first started running, I used to run early in the morning uh, before I went to work. But once I had kids and they woke up early, early in the morning and I couldn't run before they woke up anymore, I started combining my commute time with my running time by running to and from the office. And so for me, it's a great way to juggle working and family life and running high mileage to train for a marathon. And so I run about five days a week uh, during the work week and then I run long on Saturday mornings. When you hear that, you can really get a sense that the metrics are Undeniable, Jesse is on the move most days. Amongst all of these impressive numbers, what lies beneath it? I wanted to ask Jesse a little bit more about the beginning, the earlier stages, and describe these early days of her relationship with running. Here's what she said I was always really intrigued by the idea of being a runner. Uh, When I was in middle school, I joined the cross country and track and field teams, and I would go run. Uh, at lunch or before school, but I was never very good at it. I'd try and run really fast and then I'd get tired and I'd walk, Um, but I, you know, kept with it. I was usually towards the back of the pack, but I always liked this idea of being a runner. And I can still remember being in high school and taking out issues of Runner's World magazine from the public library and reading them and thinking that I was going to start running and never actually starting and sticking with it. Um, And then in high school, what I did stick with was playing rugby. So I played rugby all through high school and university, and I loved the team atmosphere and and the the challenge of that sport. But when I stopped playing rugby, I stopped being physically active. Now, I could really relate to parts of that story simply because Jesse had a uh, great experience with team sports. And like a lot of people who have played team sports, eventually that phase comes to an end. So when did the motivational seed of such a committed running life sprout? About a year later, when I hadn't played any sports, I thought, you know, I'm going to try and run again. I took to the internet and looked it up. I'm not even sure if Google was a thing then. And I found the Couch to 5K program. And at that point, I probably was in good enough residual shape that I could have gone out and run for 20 minutes without stopping and felt pretty miserable and never gone out again. But instead, I decided that I was going to try to follow the program. So I went out and followed the intervals of running and walking, running and walking, gradually growing longer. And it wasn't miserable. It actually felt good uh, because it was doable. And so I stuck with it. And very quickly, I started to assume this identity of being a runner. So I can still remember some of those early runs. I was living near the Rideau River. 
And I would run along this bike path. And I remember the first time I made it all the way to the Bank Street Bridge and back. And that for me was a milestone of really being a runner. Man, I just love how she describes running after hanging up her rugby cleats. We've all felt that misery, haven't we? Those early rough runs, those rough workouts when we're just trying to get into something trying or trying to get back into something. She followed the program and learned some valuable running skills, especially to do with managing intensity. And she describes the impact of this skill wonderfully. So take a listen to this. By following the couch to 5K, I think it made it manageable enough that I didn't get discouraged. And so I stuck with it week after week and followed the progression until I could run 5K without stopping. And by that point, I was hooked. I signed up for a local 5K race and I ran it with my mom, actually. And it was an amazing experience, just the adrenaline of seeing all the people, the finish line running faster than my goal. And I was totally hooked on this idea of being a runner. What a great clip. I really like that one. Here we have a three-time Boston Marathon qualifier talking about the turbulence she felt at the start of her journey near the launch point. So many good things there. And speaking of sustainability skills, Jesse next jumps straight into another one, which has been integral to her motivation over the years, especially in the honeymoon period that followed that great race experience with her mom. So check this out. The other thing that connected me with running really early on was building a community of other runners. So I didn't know a lot of people in real life who were running. But when I did that Google or other internet search back to find the Couch to 5K program, I found an online community of runners. So this was back in the sort of early to mid 2000s before social media was really a thing. But what there was was message boards. And I found message boards with other runners. And I started to connect with people who were also in a similar place with their running that I was, or people who were a little bit further ahead who I was inspired by and motivated by. And that really helped to keep me going and to get me excited about the sport. And there's many of those people who now, you know, 10, 12 years later, I'm still connected with and we still follow each other's running, even if we don't get to train together on a regular basis. Today, we're really lucky to have an amazing online running sphere through things like Twitter and Instagram. And I've found over the last couple of years, I've connected with many people, both in Ottawa, across the country and in other countries who are out training for similar things, different things uh, at all stages of their running career that have really helped to enhance my enjoyment of the sport. Uh, I personally like to post about my training and I like to read about what other people are up to in their training, maybe a goal race that they're working on, a personal goal, a struggle that they're dealing with and hearing about how they overcame it. Even just hearing them complain about how terrible a run was or how awful the weather was makes me feel better about my own training and keeps me motivated to get out the door and to hear how other people are doing. So here we go. We have a story that is starting to emerge here, which really started with a curiosity about running. Jessie had a strong curiosity about running. She identified with it early on, even if, you know, as a little kid, she said that she wasn't very good at it. But that curiosity stuck. She then learns the important sustainability skill of intensity management and then supports her budding passion for running with a community. So she gets social with it. So although loving to run was, I'd say, the key ingredient, she strengthened the bond by connecting with like-minded others as her lifestyle started to take off. 
So it's pretty neat to hear about all of that. And over the years, so since that early stage, since that startup stage, Jesse has completed dozens of races and participated in many other events. And of course, this is a great way to connect with other people, events that is. And as Jesse describes, events have this energy about them that can really make them a terrific motivational tool. And she elaborates a little bit more on this. So take a listen. I started doing races pretty early on in my running career. So I think I'd been running for a couple months when I ran my first 5K. And I remember the excitement and the anticipation of lining up on the start line and having a time goal, but not really knowing what I could achieve. And then the excitement of pushing myself to the finish line and going faster than I thought I'd be able to. And getting a medal was very exciting at the beginning. Um, But the other thing that really excited me was seeing all the other people who are out running. And Ottawa has an amazing uh, running multi-sport community. And I remember at those early races, seeing people of all ages with friends and family members celebrating their accomplishments and really feeling like I wanted to be a part of that. And after I'd been running for a little while, I started to meet other runners. So I connected with some people online Uh, some people in person. And so after a few months, when I'd start to go to races, I'd see other people that I knew. Uh, Maybe I didn't know them well, and I just know them sort of from the running scene. But it was neat to start to make those connections and have familiar faces at the start line and the finish line to chat about running, to chat about each other's races, and really start to feel a part of that community very early on. So what was next for Jesse? Well, more running, more races, some new goals, But when it came to the sustainability of her fitness routine, Jessie learned a few tough lessons about going too hard too fast. But at least on the mental side and then on the planning side, she made some really wise adjustments. The other thing that I would add about running races early on was that sort of motivation of trying to go faster and further. I think it's easy to get caught up in that. And I definitely did. So after I ran my first 5K, I wanted to run a 10K and I wanted to run a half marathon and I actually ended up getting injured in the first few months of running. So I had to back off a little bit and learn to be more patient to recognize that those goals weren't going to go anywhere. So they were a good motivation, but I also had to temper my enthusiasm. And so once I was able to manage how much I was running and how quickly I was building, um, then going forward from a 5K to a 10K to a half marathon and eventually a marathon And the races along the way was really motivating for me and kept me going. I've really come to recognize the importance of balancing hard work and easy work. It's very tempting to get caught up in always going faster and further to compare yourself to what other people are doing. But I've really learned as I've gone on and as I've gotten older, the importance of backing off when you need to uh, so that you can go hard on the hard days. So I really try and subscribe to that sort of easy, hard principle. So on the days where I have a workout, my legs are as rested as possible. And on the days where I'm going easy, it's just that I'm not looking at my pace. I don't, I run with a a GPS watch, but I don't look at it. I don't care about the speed. It's just about getting in the miles and keeping myself as healthy as I can. Um, I've also learned the importance for me of taking rest days at certain points. At other points in my running career, I've run seven days a week. And what I've learned now over the years is that I actually can train better running six days a week and taking one day completely off from running 
So I usually take Sundays off. I don't run at all. And I can actually run a higher total mileage and run stronger by doing that. I love hearing about all of the measures or the adjustments that Jesse made to ensure that her runs go how she likes them to go, that they go or they feel the way that she wants them to when she's out there. And in my opinion, this next clip really reveals an intriguing part of her mindset that might surprise a lot of people coming from such a committed person. One of the things that keeps me going out the door is that I never feel worse after a run. And I know it's a bit of a cliche, but I always feel better after I've gone. But I also always give myself an escape. So sometimes your body feels tired. You don't feel well. I always say just go and give it a try. And if I don't feel better within a few minutes, it's okay to cut it loose and come home and recognize that it wasn't what your body needed that day. I think it's important to recognize what your body needs at any time. So if you head out, maybe you have a workout on schedule, you're planning to do a hard workout. And if your body's not feeling it, it's much smarter to go slow, go few, uh, fewer reps than to try and push things and then risk burning out or getting sick and tired and then having to take a much longer period of time off. One of the mistakes I definitely made was trying to do too much too soon. I wanted to run all the races. Uh, I was seeing all the medals and the t-shirts and all the exciting places you could go and run. And I wanted to do it all right away. And I had to learn through trial and error that that wasn't necessarily the best way to achieve what I wanted to. Um, and to recognize that races would still be there. There was, you could take your time and do things slowly. And I see this sometimes with new runners. When you first get started, it's easy to see a lot of progression with your times. In your first few races, you're going to get faster and faster. And it seems like it's always going to be that easy. But what often happens is people start to train, for example, for a half marathon or a marathon or a longer goal. They still expect to be able to um, run really fast or set personal records at the shorter distances. And I think it's important to recognize that you can do a lot of things, but you can't necessarily do them all at the same time. And so if you are training for a longer distance race, it's okay to back off on some of those shorter distance, faster races and recognize that night might not be the right time. So you're going in with the right frame of mind and not setting yourself up for disappointment. I just love that perspective. I just love how she gives herself that escape. She allows herself to pump the brakes and take a break and really honors how she feels. If not only to protect herself from it catching up with her later on. So a very, very interesting take. So this then begs the question, does she ever struggle with her motivation? The short answer is yes, she does, but it's not necessarily with running. Running is, has a very positive feedback loop for me. If I go out and run, most of the time I'm going to feel better. But where I struggle with motivation is to do the other things that make me a better runner. So yoga, strength training, stretching, meditation, perhaps those things don't always feel as good in the moment. And so it's a lot harder for me to get motivated to do them. So there's a few tricks that I've tried to do and tried to, to work into my own schedule um, so that I can be more motivated to do those. Uh, one of the things that I try and do is I schedule them into my day. At night, after I put my kids to bed, before I have a snack, before I sit down with a book, before I start scrolling through social media, 
I do 10 to 15 minutes of something like yoga or core work or strength training. And it makes it a lot more likely that I'm going to do it than if I try and wait till later on. I've also learned, especially with the yoga, it's a really nice transition from the busyness of my workday and family time in the evening into a more relaxing time in that sort of short couple of hours I have before I go to sleep myself. So by setting up that sort of achievable schedule, I'm more likely to do it. The other thing I found with things like yoga and weight training was I was really psyching myself out by trying to bite off huge chunks of it, thinking I had to do an hour-long weight routine, go to a 90-minute yoga class. And those things just weren't happening. I wasn't finding the time, I wasn't finding the energy, and I wasn't finding the motivation to do the big chunks of work. But what's a lot more manageable is to find 10, 15 minutes. And most of the time, actually, once I've done the 10 minutes, I keep going and I do 20 minutes. But by doing the little bits and telling myself I just need to start, I'm more likely to actually do it. Just some great practical little tips in there, like planning and breaking down your preparation into realistic chunks. There's a dash of realism to her routine, which I guess is unsurprising given Jessie's ongoing balancing act with family, uh, her work, and her running. And I think by now, we've got a good picture of Jessie's evolution as a runner, including some of the obstacles she's successfully dealt with along the way. So where to from here for her? What plans does a three-time Boston qualifier have for the future? Let's hear what she says about that. For a long time for me, qualifying for the Boston Marathon was my number one goal. I ran my first marathon almost 12 years ago, and I was instantly hooked. I knew I wanted to run another one, and I knew I wanted to get faster. And so I decided, you know, bit by bit, that my goal was going to be to qualify for Boston. So it took me almost 10 years and I think six or seven marathons before I finally brought my marathon time down by 45 minutes to qualify for Boston. So in 2017, I ran the Boston Marathon for the first time and it was a dream come true. It lived up to all the expectations. I'd put that race on this huge pedestal and it lived up to it. It was amazing. And now I've gone going back for my third time this year. But that was a big goal for me. And after that, I didn't really have another goal that was next. That was what I had wanted to achieve. So for now, when I think about where I want to take my running over the next couple of years, I'm not really sure. I do want to continue to push myself to train hard and set goals that are time-based, but I also want to experience different sides of running. So I'm looking forward to trying different races, to traveling to some races with my family this year for the first time, and just enjoying different things. I am motivated by races and I am motivated by time goals, but what really keeps me going is the day-to-day and week-to-week routine of running. There's nothing I like more in the week than waking up on Saturday mornings really early and meeting my friend for a long run. And that's why I keep signing up for marathons. It's so that we can keep running together every Saturday morning and have an excuse to get out of the house for two or three hours to catch up and have a bit of a break and just run around the city. Well, it's pretty clear that Jessie's got this whole running thing down pat. And it's pretty neat that she's thinking about broadening out her running horizons and seeking out new running experiences. But is there anything new on her radar that she's been curious about that she'd consider working into her routine in some fashion? So I was interested about that. And so take a listen on how she answered. 
One of the things that I've really been trying to embrace this year is to try different physical activities that aren't running. Uh, Back before I had kids, I had more spare time and I used to do triathlons and I used to swim and I used to bike. But as I got busier, I focused more on running. So I've been trying now to branch out a little bit. So this year I did two things that were kind of scary and out of my comfort zone. I took cross-country ski lessons and I took ice skating lessons. I learned to skate as a kid and I skated a bit growing up. I was never very good and I didn't really enjoy it. And so after the age of about 12 or 13, when I stopped having to go skating with my gym class at school, I stopped skating and I literally did not step onto the ice until I had my own kids. And so my daughter, a few years ago, we put her on skates. And so I bought myself my first pair of skates in almost two decades and went out with her and I was terrible. Turns out that ice skating for me at least is not like riding a bicycle. And I could not remember how to do it. I managed to survive only because I was pushing my younger child in the stroller, which was like a nice uh, handle and stability bar. But as he got older and got out of the stroller, I realized I still couldn't skate very well. This winter, I signed my kids up for some skating lessons. And I realized that they had an adult skate program at the same time. So I signed myself up for it. And so for the last three months, for an hour every week, I take an adult skating class at the same time as my kids. And this has really required me to put my ego aside, to not be embarrassed because I'm actually on the ice at the same time as five kids classes while all their parents watch me skate through the colored drills to the music at the same time. But I'm happy to say that it's actually really working. I'm much more confident on my skates. I've been out skating on the canal without holding on to a stroller and really enjoying it. I also think it's been really great for my kids to see me trying something as a beginner. My younger son, especially, sometimes he'll complain about how he falls down at skating or he's not going as fast as the kids in his class. And I can with full honesty tell him that I fall down when I go skating and that I'm not as fast as other people in my class, too. And I like to think that helps him. As a dad, I really love that. That was pretty cool to hear. It's poetic to me that Jesse isn't just telling her son that getting good at something comes with some sort of struggle. She's showing him. And I think that's a great lesson and one I'm going to hang on to for sure. And as our interview was winding down, I wondered what advice Jesse would now give adults who might be struggling especially those who might be dabbling at the early stages. So here's the advice that she dispensed. Reach out. It's really easy to sit at home by yourself and get frustrated with how you're not able to move forward with the goals that you want to achieve. And I think that by reaching out to a friend, a colleague, a family member, a teammate, even a stranger who maybe has similar goals to you or has accomplished something that you're interested in, it can help to move things forward. So if perhaps you want to run a race or train for um, some sort of physical activity, find a buddy. See if there's someone else who wants to train for that with you. Whether they're in town and you can get together and work out with them, or maybe they live somewhere else and you can check in with each other by email. I think that's a really great way to stay motivated and to bring another level of enjoyment to the process. Just great stuff. I don't know about you guys, but I find the stories of others so motivating. And Jesse's story has so many little tidbits we can learn from, whether it's about managing your time, managing the intensity of physical activity, 
drawing some meaning from being active with your kids if you have them, or simply using goals to enhance a strong relationship with movement that you've already built. And never mind, Jesse certainly advocates for making your journey social if you can do it. That seems to be a pretty strong theme, or was a strong theme in our interview. And I think she's right. It's hard to do things on your own. And I think it's really unnecessary to go solo if you're interested in connecting with others. There's so many communities out there right now, whether they revolve around running or some other type of activity. There's lots of stuff out there waiting for you. And even if it's just one other person, you'll be ahead of the game. That leads me to today's question of the week. Where or how do you think you can bring more of that social element to your week-by-week experience with physical activity? So thanks again for joining me this week. I want to send a heartfelt thank you to Jesse Blondin. So much great content in our interview. So many little tidbits that I think we can incorporate into our lives and into our fitness journeys. So awesome stuff. Thank you for accepting my invitation to be interviewed, Jesse. Awesome. Again, thanks for your ear. And until next time, here's to living happily ever active. This episode of Happily Ever Active has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more content on the mental side of fitness. Oh, and don't forget to rate and review the show. See you next time.